Welcome to the Adult Autism, A Spectrum of Uniqueness podcast, a podcast series for adults on the autism spectrum or those who think they might be autistic. Here's your host, Chris Quarto. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. Even though this is the second episode of the podcast series, in a sense, it's like the first one because the previous episode was more of a, uh, I guess, like an overview about what the podcast series was all about. But today I get to start talking about issues pertaining to adult autistic folks. You know, when I was thinking about this episode and what I wanted to say, I thought to myself, who really needs to hear this stuff, you know, about neurodiversity? And I came to the conclusion that People who aren't autistic, whether it's an autistic person's partner or friend or family member, coworker, whatever, might actually benefit just as much from listening to it as autistic folks. I'm guessing that if you are autistic or suspect you're on the spectrum, that a lot of the stuff I touch upon will resonate with you. So, neurodiversity. You hear that word a lot nowadays. And it's become a popular way of uh, you know, describing people who are somehow different or do things differently than most people. That's not a bad thing, by the way. As a neurotypical person, I kind of see it as providing spice to the world we live in. I mean, how boring would it be if you just had a bunch of neurotypical people who do things pretty much in the same way as one another, day in and day out? Yeah, I'd be pretty drab. Now, if you break that word in two, neuro and diversity, it kind of helps you understand what it's referring to. Diversity implies uniqueness and differences. And we usually think about that with things like, you know, race, culture, sexual orientation. But the neuro part of the word is getting at unique ways of perceiving and interpreting things and and behaving based in large part on our genetic makeup. But, you know, learning experiences certainly play a role too. You don't have to be autistic to be neurodiverse, by the way. You could have like attention deficit disorder or no disorder at all, or it could just be your personality for that matter. So neurodiversity can apply to a lot of people. Here's the thing. I was just talking about differences. It's easy for people to think of differences in a bad way. In fact, there are plenty of people who assume that the quote correct way to do things or think about things or talk about things is the way most people do them. So the majority dictates how things should be done. Well, that's an easy trap for a neurotypical person to fall into. And it's probably one of the reasons why neurodiversity was stigmatized in the past and still is to some extent today. Of course, if you're a neurotypical person, the way most people do things might be based on other neurotypical people you know, which could be limited in a lot of ways. But it also could be related to your attitudes and and your beliefs. So in other words, anything that's like 
out of the norm or doesn't jive with the way that you see things or understand things might not only be seen as different, but wrong. I'd say that that's a real biased way of looking at things. There's a, there's a word for this in the field of psychology. It's called confirmation bias, where as humans, we have this, this tendency to, to kind of seek out information that confirms our viewpoints, the way that we see things, and, and kind of downplay information that might contradict it. You see that a lot in politics and religion, too. And I suppose this is the first hurdle that some neurotypical people are challenged to reflect on and, and change about themselves, you know, to, to broaden their views of how they think neurodiverse people should think and behave. Well, you know what? Neurodiverse folks don't have to do things the way that you think they should. And why should they anyway? I mean, if that's the way you think about people, then you really need to do some soul searching. You know, why is conformity so important to you anyway? Okay, I'll get off my soapbox now. Here's the thing. Behaviors and perspectives that were considered to be odd or even abnormal in the past are starting to become valued and celebrated nowadays. It's all about embracing uniqueness and accepting a person just as they are. Whether it's them wanting to wear the same colors of clothes every day or walking around with earplugs all the time to deal with noise sensitivities or maybe being direct and to the point without, you know, sugarcoating things in their communications like most neurotypical people do. Taking down barriers of what's considered acceptable and welcoming as many different possible viewpoints and perspectives and behaviors, as long as they're not hurting anyone, that's the key to changing mindsets and really changing how we interact with one another in society. My wife and I like to watch Star Trek with, Star Trek with our uh, autistic son, and one of the things I appreciate about the show is how crew members of different species live and work with one another and respect one another's differences. It's like the show provides a, a model for how neurotypical and neurodiverse folks could live harmoniously. Okay, so getting back to the neuro part for a minute. Everyone has a different brain and neurological makeup. And this, in, in combination with culture and the, and the uniqueness of people's experiences, is what results in differences in, in personalities and perspectives, coping styles, and ways of doing things. Think of a person's um, neurological makeup like you would a, a fingerprint. It's a genetic blueprint that unfolds in a particular way as a person grows and develops. And of course, for autism, there's, um, there are genetic codes that set the stage for how a person develops. But it's really the melding of those genetics and a person's experiences that contributes to their uniqueness, to their brand, so to speak, of, of neurodiversity. So one's perspective or way of doing things um, isn't necessarily correct. In fact, it's the uniqueness of perspectives and behavior 
that makes for a wonderful spice of life, like I mentioned previously. Now, when we're talking about neurodiversity in relation to autism, we're usually talking about challenges that occur early on in development. Usually, um, you know, social difficulties, restricted interest, ways of doing things, stuff like that, and continue in some form or fashion throughout the course of life. And you know what? There's even a lot of diversity among autistic people themselves. One autistic person might display the stereotypical poor eye contact and have difficulty with social interaction, but be very sensitive to the feelings of others, even though they might not necessarily demonstrate that to them. On the other hand, another autistic person may have no difficulty making eye contact and may mask well enough to give the appearance of having good social skills, although they give themselves away when, as they start taking off their mask and and reveal, you know, stimming behaviors or rigidness or even anxiety when they feel overwhelmed. So, It's the different amounts and and ranges of features and and those differing amounts that make a person unique and contribute to their diversity. Think about it this way. Let's say that I placed three liquid measuring cups next to one another and each cup represented an autistic trait. Try to come up with that mental picture of of those measuring cups while I'm talking about this. The first cup might represent, say, I don't know, communication skills. The the second one could be psychological flexibility, like how flexible a person is dealing with changes in routine. And the third one might be stimming behaviors, things like foot tapping, nail biting, rocking back and forth or whatever. Now, I can fill up each cup with a different amount of water. And the more water that's in a cup, the more of a problem that it might pose for the person. And the less water in the cup, the less of a problem it is for them. And so with one autistic person, the first two cups might be near the brim with water, which means that they have a lot of difficulty communicating with people and are pretty inflexible when something comes up to challenge their routine or way of doing things. But the third cup may only be, I don't know, a quarter full, which means that they do some stimming, but that probably isn't causing too much of a problem for them. Now, another autistic person's first measuring cup might be half full, their second cup like three quarters full, and their last cup totally full, meaning that they experience some difficulties communicating with people, but it isn't as much of a problem as their lack of flexibility and certainly the amount of stimming they do, which, you know, could cause them to get some strange looks from neurotypical folks. So you see what's going on here. Even autistic people can demonstrate diversity based on the relative amounts of water they have in their cups. And there are certainly many more measuring cups that represent different aspects of autism. So what are the takeaways from this episode? Well, first of all, neurodiversity is a good thing. As neurotypical people, it's something we should value and respect. 
A related point is that there aren't necessarily right or wrong ways of doing things. And I'm not talking about immoral stuff like killing people because that's obviously wrong. I'm talking more about differences in how people think about or view things or do things. As long as the behavior isn't hurting the person themselves or others, then it just happens to be the way that that person is, and that's okay. And then neurodiversity isn't only characteristic of autism, but autistic folks have some general ways that they manifest their characteristics. But remember that there can even be diversity among autistic people. There's a lot more that can be said about neurodiversity, obviously, but really my goal here was just to provide you with some things to think about. If you're a neurodiverse person, then I hope you come away with a positive view of, of, of um, yourself. Did I just say neurodiverse or neurotypical? If you're a neurodiverse person, then I hope you come away with a positive view of yourself after listening to this episode. And if you're a neurotypical person, then what I said um, may have confirmed what you already believe about neurodiversity, or maybe it challenged you to do some reflecting on your attitudes um, pertaining to this. Until next time, this is Chris Quarto. Thanks again for joining me. And remember, your uniqueness is awesome. <laughs>